Welcome to the party. I'm Sam Ekstrom of Locked On Sports Minnesota. Is Jordan Addison officially the Vikings wide receiver too? Hey, this is Arif Hassan with the Wide Left Substack. Uh, I'm excited for a disaster of a Chargers-Vikings game. And I'm Luke Braun of Locked On Vikings, and I too am excited to see what the devil has in store. Big show plan today on the Minnesota Football Party. Locked On Sports Minnesota Podcast. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. It's time for the Minnesota Football Party. A brand new week on the Minnesota Football Party. So glad you've joined us today. I'm Sam Ekstrom. You just met Arif Hassan of Wide Left, Luke Braun of Locked On Vikings, and a big show planned for you today after the Vikings had a pseudo off week over the weekend. We're going to talk Kirk Cousins through two games. How does he stack up to the rest of the league, and how do we reconcile his performance with the turnovers and the Vikings' 0-2 start? Also, Jordan Addison, one of the few bright spots. Is he your wide receiver, too, going forward? We'll talk about the struggles and the trenches that have led to this start. And, of course, we'll get into the many NFC North choke jobs over the weekend as the, the division goes o. And four. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. It's America's number one sportsbook. You can make every moment more. Just visit fanduel.com slash locked on to get started. Please subscribe before doing anything. Hit that subscribe button. Help us get to 6,000 subscribers on YouTube. We're also free and available wherever you get podcasts, Roku, Amazon Fire, and the SiriusXM app. We're really glad you're with us today on the Minnesota Football Party on Lockdown Sports Minnesota. Um, Arif, Luke, hope you enjoyed your weekend. Let's reflect on Kirk Cousins right out of the gate. Kirk Cousins through two games. You've had now four days to think about his Thursday performance. Arif, where are you at with the quarterback? Through, I know you haven't stopped thinking about it. Um, Kirk Cousins through two games. Your thoughts? Uh, he's playing pretty well. I don't know. <laughs> What else to add? He's playing good football. Um, obviously, not every throw is perfect. Obviously, the non-perfect throws are being punished pretty severely in the category of non-perfect throws, and uh, you want him to clean up the fumbles. But I think for the most part, he is a huge asset to the team, you know, regardless. Like I think that you put it all together, he's a he's a big net positive compared to other people at his position. Feels a bit like the 2021 and 2 start where Kirk was brilliant and the team lost both of those games. Bron, where are you at with Kirk? Yeah, it feels exactly like 2021. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's been good. Uh, the I, Eagles game was better than the Bucks game, I think. I think in the Bucks mm -hmm. game, he had some hesitations and things came late. The timing was uh, late, yeah. Yeah, and the timing was better against Philadelphia. I, like He was really in rhythm and feeling it against Philadelphia and that made the offense really move great for as long as anybody could hold on to the ball. Um, I think with him, the standard is fair or not. It's going to be higher than it was in previous years, just because the uh, level that cousins has to play at to get a, another contract is higher. I think than it's ever been for the, the, then it's ever been for the level that like Kirk cousins has to play at to remain a Viking, you know? Like before, it just kind of had to, hey, you just have to make status quo look okay. But now hey. there's something like more 
that has to happen because of the contract situation. I don't think he's at that level, but that's you don't you don't think that he's at the. I mean, like I think the no, contract I, I is, genuinely is think it has result. to be like MVP. Like I, I really think it has to be insane. With what the Vikings have tried to do at quarterback elsewhere, they're looking to move on unless he makes it impossible to. Okay, so if he plays at this level for the rest of the season, right? At this so a five thousand yard passer. Right, which is yes, what yeah. I I prophesied, yeah, right. I prophesied way, this yeah, months ago, a couple yeah. months ago, yeah, and we pushed back. Um, but yeah, if, but he, if with he can... strip sacks and turnovers and sure. kind of issues here and there, seventeen yeah. record, right? I right. don't but know like, if okay, it's fair like if we to include... Cousins to hold him to that highest standard, but I think the Vikings will. Sure, if we include the strip sacks and the turnovers, and he plays at this level, his EPA would be like number two in the NFL behind like a Mahomes type player. He is like the production that he's putting together is like it's above Pro Bowl level. It's not all pro because we always have Mahomes. But it is above the, the typical level of play that we expect from a Pro Bowl passer. It's better than Justin Herbert. It's better than Jalen Hurts. You know, it's it's better than Lamar, even though Lamar had an outstanding game. Like the uh, in terms of just like expected points, or in terms of the impact that his specific level of play is having. If he plays at this level, he should get another contract. And you know me, I'm not a huge Kirk guy, right? I do think the contract is going to be like very team results based. If they don't like win a playoff that's, game yeah that's it but like he if he plays at this level I think the vikings win a playoff game i think that's pretty fair yeah and i i'm pretty much with you in terms of what i would do but trying to predict the vikings i think that yeah. they hold and, and i'll also say there's like a matter of consistency if we get through 17 regular season games and they're all like this and we don't have your kind of classic kirk duds they're all, they're all like this uh, <laughs> yeah, right. and and then most of us will be dead, right? Which will be merciful. Vikings fans from the rafters, yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> hey, they've been up there before. Um, <laughs> but the, <laughs> but like the if if we get through a whole season without the like classic Kirk duds, that does kind yeah. of represent something different. Where it's like, oh wow, he like actually put together more consistency. Because it's been, a, it's consistently inconsistent. That's the Kirk motto, right? Exactly. Like, if you look at, like, the QBR line chart is always a roller coaster every year. There's peaks and valleys. And right now, he's peaking very early. He did this in 2021 for three games. People talked MVP. Remember, they beat Seattle. People were saying, Kirk's an MVP if they can keep doing And then Brown's game, Lions, he had two consecutive yeah. duds right after that, where the Vikings lost to Baker, barely beat the Lions, and it was really I mean, that's like that's like part of the deal, right? Now, I I don't want to go too far down this road because I don't think Jaron Hall had a very good preseason or training camp. But I've been very intrigued by the Sam Howell path because that's the fifth round pick that the Commanders have really invested in. They declared him the guy early on off of one start last year, and obviously what they saw in practice, and. He's two and zero. Yeah, they are. They are justified so far in that decision to just roll the dice on an, a relatively unknown commodity. They're two and zero. Um, success rate's good. The completion percentage is pretty good. Three TDs, uh, thirty-five points yesterday. Almost lost on a hail mary, but uh, that a lot, like, of, a lot of that's the enemy. Let's 
a lot of that's like Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dots, and Antonio Gibson. Okay, well, the Vikings have the Jack Vikings Brian have guys Robinson too, Arif. I don't well. know if you've heard of them. The Justin Jefferson's pretty good. Okay, but like, I'm not saying it's because Sam Howell has good players. I'm saying the points were explicitly because of those good players. Kirk Cousins played well with good players. Sam Howell happened. <laughs> like, like. <laughs> Fair to be skeptical. Wait, fair to be skeptical. I'm just very. It's just a very apples to apples situation that intrigues me. Okay, well, I mean, Kirk Cousins is fourth in the NFL right now in adjusted net yards per attempt. Sam Howell is 19th. They're different. Yeah, and I've got the Cousins rundown. I mean, it's it's pretty good across the board for Kirk right now. First in TDs, second in yards, fourth in Anya, sixth in QBR, eleventh in sack rate, uh, thirteenth in success rate. The, the fumbles, the turnovers, that kind of comes with the territory with Kirk. And I bit. think Kirk, those are tolerable. Kirk hasn't had those fumbles for like two years, right? Like the fumbles were not a huge issue for the last two years of Kirk Cousins' play. Maybe last three years, I'm trying to remember more I think precisely. he's had like seven and nine the last couple of years. And and I don't, those aren't lost fumbles. Those are just those total, are just total fumbles. fumbles, right? Yeah. Which that's like, that's another element that we need to discuss when we're talking about Kirk Cousins and turnovers. Uh, he specifically, but also the Vikings overall, have just had awful turnover luck. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I, like, it doesn't feel like he's had dropped interceptions. It feels like his interception was... Uh, a shockingly earned right like it's not like it was yeah yeah it wasn't like it was a good throw i'm not saying that but that's not usually an interception uh and then every fumble from everybody has been lost right which is i mean that's pretty that's pretty nuts right this is like zero percent success right yes no it's literally it's zero yeah okay um so like you know that's <laughs> that's like part of the discussion too. It's like even like when we when when the Vikings were able to force the Eagles into a fumble, they didn't recover it. It's just like they can't win for losing, you know. The potential swings in that game were insane. So you've got a potential <laughs> recovery at the 10 of Philly off that fumbled punt. You don't recover it. So there's points. Brandon Powell fumbles inside the 30. That's probably three or seven. Justin Jefferson has a first and goal at the half yard line. That's seven. You fumble there. Um, and what? There's still two more that I'm not even taught. Like Madison fumbles yeah. that there's and actually the, the Madison fumble did field. not turn into points because they missed a field goal, I think. But still, I mean, the how many did we get? To, like 20, like 20 points potentially swung on those fumbles. I mean, yeah, it sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah, like you said, like one fumble, the defense gave up zero yards, and it was three points. Like, yeah, come on. Yeah. <laughs> um, Jordan Addison is a bright spot. Let's talk about him after I tell folks right. about um, what's going on at FanDuel. FanDuel Sportsbook, new customers. Get $200 in bonus bets when you place a $5 wager. It's the kind of stuff they do at America's number one sportsbook, the best place to bet NFL. 200 bucks in bonus bets, win or lose, when you place a $5 wager. So sign up today. If you've been thinking about FanDuel, now is the time. Hundreds of ways to wager on football at FanDuel. College and pro, very easy to use. App, spreads, player props, over-unders, futures, plenty more. FanDuel.com slash locked on. Kick off the NFL season. Now we're into week three. FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. FanDuel.com. 
All right. Um, Jordan Addison threw two games, two touchdowns, two deep balls, extremely efficient as a wide receiver three, in essence. We talked about this on the postcast with Ron Johnson, Luke Braun, and myself. Uh, KJ Osborne has gotten the wide receiver two snaps, I think 58 and 56. And Addison's gotten like 30 and 40. I mean, something like that. And he's made the most of them. KJ Osborne has drops. He's been inefficient. My theory on this, Arif, is that KJ Osborne, this is not BC Johnson. BC Johnson had very little equity in the league when he was given the wide receiver two job. KJ Osborne has shown a propensity to make big third down, fourth down catches, contested catches. Um, he can shake tackles, get yak yards. He he's a guy, right? And he's before proven, Thursday, we would have characterized him as a reliable receiver. He absolutely. So I'm not willing to straight up bench him after two weeks like BC Johnson. But these things ha- do happen very, very quickly. And Jordan Addison has been much more efficient through two games. So does that does that workload shift get made to where it's been about 20 more snaps for Osborne? Does that get flipped in week three? Yeah, I think so. I think like it's not just that Osborne was disappointing, right? I mean, obviously that plays a role. It's that Addison has been playing very well. Both of those in combination would suggest that you would want to increase Addison's role, but that's in a vacuum. That's from the outside looking in. We don't know, for example, whether or not Addison has a particular package of plays that are designed for him, where it would be very difficult to increase his particular role, right? I doubt it, but that's something to kind of keep in mind, right? Like there are some receivers in the NFL who are very efficient when they're on the field. And that's because there are plays designed specifically for them. And they, for whatever reason, cannot execute a full playbook. So you can't really increase their number of snaps all that meaningfully and maintain that level of production or even a good level of production, right? So that's something you have to kind of keep in mind is that, yeah, he's more efficient when he gets targets. What are the circumstances where he gets targets? Are those replicable when we expand that snap count? For Addison, I think that that's probably the case, but we need to be open to the fact that it might not be, especially because there are going to be situations where you want to give Cousins the capacity to kill the play and move into a run or vice versa. And for that, you might need a receiver in the slot who can block a little bit better than Addison is expected to be able to block. So that's just something to kind of keep in mind and consider. But I think that for the most part, given what we know, we would want to increase Addison's snap share. And it's not, again, just because Osborne had a couple of drops, which again, I mean, that sucks. Um, I would not judge Osborne's ability or or snap counts based off of one game, but I do think that the upside with Addison is there. And I think that we're getting to a point where we can say the reliability is enough for us to be like, yeah, let's let's flip that workload a little bit. Give Osborne a, a fair number mm-hmm. of snaps, but you know, give Addison a couple more opportunities. Yeah. 22nd in yards per route run through his first two NFL games. Uh, Osborne toward the bottom of the list, 0.74 yards per route run. That's not very efficient. Bron, where are you at with this? I know you you posed the question on Thursday night. Uh, What have you arrived at for this? uh, this Yeah, that was kind of the instant reaction was to say like, hey, is it happening? And I I think it will happen eventually, whether it is like immediately next week or not. I, I don't know. Um, I was just looking at some like usage stats among other rookies and Jordan Addison is like the fifth or sixth, I would say, most used rookie. He's second in targets um, after Puka Nakua. I, I think I'm looking at PFF. I don't think they have <laughs> week two up count, yet. Man. I, well, yeah, that's crazy. Vacuuming them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
but I think if you do just week one, he'd be fourth in targets, which is probably more fair. Um, but like, yeah, makes sense. He's getting used as much as anyone's using their rookie, and it just takes rookies a little bit, bit to, to yeah, ramp hey. up. Hey, Puka Je- Nakua has thirty. Jefferson is no Nakua, targets. right? That's so 33 funny. targets, 33 targets. That is hilarious. okay. There, there, there are so many fifth round rookies that just don't see that for the whole season. Fifth round receivers oh, that have a fair, a, a fair career that don't see that in a, you know, in any of their seasons, 33 targets. <laughs> and there's an explosiveness too, that is giving a, a really fun dimension again, right? to the other side of the field. Yeah. Yeah. yeah with yeah. Addison. Um, no, I'm not talking about Puka Nakua's explosiveness. I was like, I was like 10 yards a catch. Let's look at the last. No, 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 no. Uh, but like, that is what we wanted. Like, like that's what we brought him in, right? What, what we brought him in to do is take the top off the defense and give them something deep to worry about that isn't Justin Jefferson specifically. And I think okay. that can pay its other dividends. I, I think the game where Jordan Addison gets like one catch because the defense is actually paying attention to him is also a game where Justin Jefferson goes over 200. And that's exactly what we're after. You know? I was about to say what Justin Jefferson goes over 150 again. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> 15, no, that's conservative. <laughs> He's going to put up 250 on that in that game. And that's Kirk exactly Cousins, what we're after here. Kirk when Cousins, over under against... yards, Jefferson 2,500 <laughs> yeah. yards. Yeah, pace. exactly. Jefferson's still on 2K pace. Good defenses are like 95 yards. It's like, hey, this defense shut him out basically last year, right? And like, <laughs> they gave him like seven yards or whatever. And they're like, yeah, but we think 95 yards is the middle ground here. And yeah. then he beats it. It's crazy, <laughs> dude. That's got to be just a huge encourager, too, going forward, that these teams obviously know. Keying it on, yeah. They, they know what's going on. They know the deal. Yeah, and yet Justin Jefferson and, you know, to KOC's credit too, schematically they're making this work, and I think a lot of it's JJ beating doubles, but they're finding ways to get this guy the ball in the face of immense attention. That that's huge. If that can continue, if this unstop and KOC was even like gobsmacked after the game, he's like, this guy's doing stuff I've never seen before. If that continues. There's yeah, still well, I mean, a lot of upside for, for this offense. 2,600 yards right now. So, you know. Yeah, 26-26. <laughs> and th- there is such a path to 2-2. Two and two. The Chargers at home, obviously you can win. The Panthers on the road, obviously oh, yeah. you can win. Like, if you're 2-2, two and two, you're right where the 2015 team was. You're right I'm, where I'm the not 2017 seeing a loss the schedule, team Sam. was. Yeah. I'm still looking for Parlay a couple of wins together and <laughs> yeah. bada-bing. No, I, and you I play agree. the Chiefs with momentum. That'll that'd be a huge <laughs> build-up. Because yeah. momentum the, the, that totally matters, hey, right? The broader we, we point show, you're making is the Chiefs it's a long season. We can There's show the Chiefs something that left. they haven't seen in years. A wide receiver. They're gonna be <laughs> <laughs> Oh no. You want the Chiefs early this year. They're they're still figuring things out in a major way. Um they dollars to donuts they figure out this week it's not they're gonna, yeah, yeah. they're still figuring out by week five that's like as long as they've ever taken yeah <laughs> but yeah hey. I, I i agree sam that you probably want them a little bit earlier than a little bit later <laughs> yeah but, but um yeah no i i think that i think that the vikings are, are more likely to go two and two than any other particular record um to finish out the four game stretch it sucks we don't have like a 16 game, so we can't do the neat 
four games, like quarter pull of the season thing. Yeah, like, we got to get to 18 soon, and then we can have like a third, like a third poll. A third poll. A, <laughs> a half poll. Um, okay, Addison, good. Jefferson, good. Kirk, mm-hmm. good. Interior mm-hmm. D-line, bad. Um, I crunched these numbers. Me, Jane. You, Tarzan. <laughs> and, <laughs> I'm, I'm Kevin Analysis. from the office. Many small time make big time. <laughs> Has a team ever disliked their trenches more than the Vikings apparently did this preseason? Like they jettisoned all of their young linemen, just got rid of them and right. signed guys off of waivers. And they got rid of like all, all those fringe D linemen we talked about, got rid of all of them except Jaquel and Roy. And the guys that they kept have amassed the following. Other, Harrison Phillips, excellent. No problem with him. Three pressures, nine run stops. The other three combined, Bullard, Tonga, Lowry, zero pressures through two games, five combined run stops. Uh, that's got to get better. Right, Bron? Uh, Yeah, it's not great at all in Jaquel and Roy being a healthy scratch, which I, I think if they could have that one back, they would they would change that. But obviously the situation with Christian Derrissaw was... Um, yeah, yeah. Took an, took up an active spot, and there's no way to see that coming. He reaggravates the ankle injury after it's too late to go back and change it. Um, which that's now a thing to watch even closer. Mm-hmm. But so that kind of sucks. But like you had active for that game against the Philadelphia Eagles, the team most famous for just having bigger dudes and winning because of it. You had two guys dressed up that were over 300 pounds. That's yeah, not. So that's nasty. Like, come on, (laughs) that's really rough. And there were other like personnel things they did to like further lean into that, which they were just prioritizing coverage. They said, we we're going to shut down Jalen hurts. And if we shut down Jalen hurts, somebody else has to beat us. And that somebody else was Deandre Swift. And I guess that's the trade-off that they accepted. Uh, But if we're looking for a reason why they lost, yeah, it's, it's Dean Lowry getting washed down the river horribly. Oh my goodness. The Dean Lowry tape is ugly. Yeah, it looks like Tonga. last year's Dean Lowry tape. I thought he <laughs> yes. had a bad camp, to be honest. Too, I I didn't have a great feeling on Lowry. Um, he didn't. They, I don't know. It was just it was weird to me how much he rotated out of the first team, and I thought, yeah, like this doesn't seem like a guy that they like are like in love with. Um, did, did he take a lot of reps with the second team, or was he just doing the? Yeah, he rotated Smith. with the first team a fair amount. Yeah. And maybe they were just getting a look at Jaquelin and some other guys. Yeah, but, but was it just seemed... rotating out and resting, or was he rotating down to team two? Because that's a different thing. I thought he was rotating and keeping like there was a lot of rotation down at yeah, each okay. position, but he seemed more like part of the mishmash rather than like oh okay like an el- like Harrison Phillips was always just like an elevated stature player. Like he's he always you know he would get rest days. He would always be with the ones and Lowry seemed like he was just more with the rest of them. Um, It's like gotta be in like Mike Pettin's contract that every year he can go sign some trash player and bring him into the starting lineup of the Vikings. (laughs) It's like, it's like Kevin O'Connell and his crappy Rams. Like you just go get a guy that's not very good, but you know him, you know, Um, under discuss too, um, from a pass rush standpoint, Mike Smith has been absent from the team for a while. It's true. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it we was. We have any. We have any updates on that situation? 
We don't have details or updates, just a, a, a personal situation that's kept him away from the team for beyond just, you know, the yeah, last yeah. two weeks. Like, yeah, very in, often yeah. A, a personal situation lasts a couple of days. So, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, in football terms, not like that's not how right. real life works, I understand. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but like with with those inside linebackers, um, a lot of them, a lot of those big run plays, you had like Ivan Pace at one tech, you know, standing up over the ball, mugging the A gap like he was going to blitz, and he just gets killed by a center because he's a linebacker, and Brian Osawan next to him, and like Jordan Hicks, it was happening too. So you did not have you. You just ended up with like flattened out fronts but with smaller dudes and it's like well of course the eagles are just gonna be like oh okay we'll take that and run directly into it every single time you do it um but i think if we're looking for like culprits it's linebackers not being able to hold their ground against linemen which i don't know how much of that you actually expect why are we why are they in that position right and then dean lowry i don't think doing well enough for um the position that he plays in terms of tonga and bullard i, I saw tonga get washed out a couple times bullard had a couple of his bad ones but i didn't think it was quite as bad um ivan pace update now that we've got a lot of week two data on pff number seven amongst all linebackers he's so good yeah he is. he's he's fun um, to watch he flies around he hits people hard like that's what a misevaluation! What an absolute just draft short, travesty! Yeah. The, the whole justice for short kings, like hey, the uh, the draft industry knew he was the fourth ranked UDFA. Mm-hmm. He was graded yeah. as draftable. He's in the top two hundred. Yep, what's going on there? Definitely learn something about somebody, and then you have like six weeks to think about it before you actually have to go draft. So that's a bright spot. Um, with the uh, the the D line, and let's ju- while we're taking inventory, how are we feeling about the secondary? Because if you're selling out, if you're selling out against the pass, man, you can't give up those deep balls. I know one of them was yeah. Theo Jackson. Um, one of them was, was Theo Jackson. Theo Jackson was in good. I mean, he was recovering. Like obviously, he, was, he got beat, but he was in good recovery position. Yeah, yeah, he could have made a play at like out of on phase. the ball. He yeah. tried to make a play out of phase. It just didn't get there. And, and, and that's how you other... teach a player out of phase to make that play is, is yeah. what I like. Yeah. Yeah. It's I mean, it's a hard thing to do. You kind of just get your hands up and hope. Um, yeah. And then the other one, I think, was some kind of miscommunication. I, I don't want to quite use the word coverage bust, but Caleb Evans looked like he was looking for inside help. I don't think he was correct to think he had inside help. But if you look at like his body language on that play, he's looking back at Harrison Smith like, where were you? <laughs> What's going on? Um, I'm, I'm not that concerned about the secondary. Um, obviously they could be playing better, right? Like there's no, but I I think for the most part, they're, they're playing ahead of your expectations given kind of who they are, right? Like you've got kind of the top free agent corner in a weak free agency class. He's playing well. You've got a fourth round second year player. He's playing much better than fourth round cornerbacks typically do. You've got a rookie third round pick. He's playing all right. He's not seeing the field as often as like that third safety is, who's a sixth round fourth year player who was playing pretty well before he got injured. Um, so like in terms of the level of investment the Vikings have made at that position, and Cameron Bynum is playing out of his mind, which by the way, that, mm-hmm. that needs to be. Yeah, better. he is. 
Um, um, I, I think that given the level of investment the Vikings have made, I think they're playing better than you would expect. Um, the investments the Vikings have made is a different question, right? Um, and is the state of the secondary acceptable for a team that wants to make the playoffs? Not quite, but I don't, I'm not ringing any alarm bells. To me, the bigger issue is, first of all, luck. It Mostly it's luck related. But second, mm-hmm. um, I, I think the bigger issue, and when I say luck, this is a really important thing. Um, I only mean that from an outside analyst perspective. Like the things that regress might as well be luck, but that does not mean that they are from a football perspective. Luck. Fumble recovery is a skill, right? You can get yeah. better at it, but the problem is there is a cap to how much better you can get. And so in the long run, every team has a 50% fumble recovery rate from our perspective. It's luck because teams tend to correct, right? It's the same thing in a lot of aspects of sports where a thing that is relatively easily correctable, but has a high impact tends to be corrected quickly. And so from our perspective, it's not that different from luck. So that's my thing is that fumble recovery is something that the Vikings will continue to focus on and then we'll get better at. So I'm not concerned about that. Um, So that's kind of, but I think like the, it's tough because I think when I take a look at a bunch of individual Vikings plays, throw on the film, take a look at it. I, I mostly like what I see, especially when I compare it to last year. And then I, check the numbers and I look at their points per drive and it's awful. I look at their field position adjusted points per drive and it's not great. I look at their EPA. It's whatever, right? Like, so it's, it's like they're like 20th in defensive EPA, which is better. <laughs> right, right? Like it's, but like, when I take a look at the plays themselves, it's like, yeah, they got, they kind of got beat up in the run game here. I am not confident that this is so alarming that I would say that this defense is doomed. Right. So that's that's kind of where I'm at, is that I the vibes I get are positive. The results so far, not yet. Yeah. Eagles are good. Eagles are a bad matchup for the Vikings. It's from a coverage. Yep. Go ahead. From a coverage perspective, too. They they've had a hell of a couple of receiving cores that they've gone up against and they've got an uh, another one coming up and then they got the Chiefs, which is a different challenge. Um, a coverage challenge, but not like a receiving core. Yeah, <laughs> a different kind of coverage challenge. Yeah, but I think they did very well against. I'm happy with how they did against the Eagles. It's just the two explosives ruin everything, which is what explosives are for. Um, yeah, the but, success, the Vikings' success rate and EPA allowed great in the passing yeah. game. Yeah, and they got that by dropping eight a whole bunch, which I usually hate. Hate it worked great. Um. They, they got they, that. They kind of get pressure when they when they rush three. I don't. They're not good. I mean, they at got coverage sacks. Like they just nobody was there. Yeah. It worked. Yeah. Um. So it's like, all right, I guess go for it, Brian yeah. Flores. Do your thing. Um. And and I think if you asked me, you know, ten days ago, what do you think the biggest problem with the Vikings is? I mean, my answer to, for the whole offseason was secondary. That that secondary is that cornerback room is, you know, not up to up to par, and that just has not been the biggest problem. Um, and, and I think if you just look at it, like you get on average 12 possessions a game, something like that, 11, 12 yeah, possessions a 12 game, is average, yep. the Vikings have, uh, so they've had, I think they actually have had exactly 24 possessions, depending on how you count stuff like kneeling at the end of the like half. end of game. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they have pissed away seven of them via turnover. <laughs> so a third of them almost. Uh, yeah. I, 
Yikes, dog. That's the problem. <laughs> uh, just, Everything just else has been I... up and down. There are things to improve, right? Like, I'm not saying other stuff isn't a problem, but it feels like everything is so overshadowed by that. It's, it's, that is yeah. Our, the, our, the ball our discussions can out. only be built around this turnover. Like, we can have all these discussions, but the scaffolding that they surround is mm-hmm. made of turnovers, right? Yeah. Like, for example, okay. The Vikings success rate, I just looked this up. The Vikings success rate against opponent dropbacks, right? So the net, the percentage of plays where an opponent gets positive EPA, the average in the NFL is 47% on dropbacks, right? The Vikings rank fifth at 35.7%. That is the defensive success rate against opponent dropbacks. That is meaningful. I, it's like, obviously you want to cut down on explosives right but like what are you going to tell theo jackson to do differently not get burned like okay fine he's the fourth safety uh (laughs) like i i don't know it's like for the most part the secondary is and when again when you turn on like the all 22 the secondary is not like killing it i think a lot of it is structure like forcing guys to throw across the field on play breaking news yes you're not gonna you're not gonna believe this. Look who's here. Hey, you all right, man? You still got COVID? Thanks for having me, guys. You guys waited? How's my voice? Are you grinding through COVID right now? Just grinded, dude. Absolute warrior. Tape flu four. game. I'm on the injury report. I'm in the height ice tub. I'm getting cryo, but you know Limited what? I'm illness. I made it. I made it. Thanks That's for having great. me. Incredible. You guys waited? It's just waiting. Yeah, right? just we just started. Yeah, dude. we're starting yeah. right now. <laughs> As I was saying it, at the it. beginning of our episode, I don't know that the secondary is playing remarkable, but I think that the structure of the defense, if you force a guy to throw halfway across the field and play action and that guy happens to be open, like I, I don't know how much of that is a quarterback's fault, is kind of what I was finally getting at at the mm-hmm. end there. Um, Spinman, it's good to see you, by the way. So through the haze, through the brain fog, what'd you make of Thursday's game? We got to get your take. Oh my wow. gosh! <laughs> I mean, I I didn't feel that's great not, about Thursday's game, but I don't know if I felt not that even bad. that is that was perfect, unbelievably on brand, and still <laughs> unbelievable. That's oh, I'm gonna just, get it. I'm gonna watch time that better. Through, I'm gonna get the text. I'm guessing power outage. That would be amazing. <laughs> I'm, I'm just I've just got a gut feeling. <laughs> The thing of it, boys, is well now. Now Braun's muted. Okay, yeah, keep that up. Right. Don't worry about that. <laughs> well, we're gonna leave that box open in honor of Spinman. Um, <laughs> let's. Uh, I've got a nerdy stat of the day about success yeah, sure. rate. Let's let's do that. Analytics fans rejoice. Woo-hoo-hoo! It's time to get educated. Whoa, you're blowing my mind right now with the nerdy stat of the day. Alexander Madison went through uh, something last week that I wouldn't wish upon anybody. Racist abuse on social media. Come on, people. Be better. Um, So I want to make, I want to try to, uh, I found a pro Alexander Madison nerdy stat of the day because people were ripping him, ripping the running game, ripping the fumbles. How about this? Out of 42 qualified running backs through two weeks, Alexander Madison is 13th in success rate. Yeah, he had a 45% success rate in week one, which is one of the highest in the NFL. 
Um, this is one reason I don't like using yards per carry for running backs. It is much more important for a running back to keep your offense on schedule than it is for them to occasionally pop a 40 yarder. Um, that generally leads to positive outcomes on the offense more than uh, anything else. So even like even EPA in rushing is less correlated to success than success rate when rushing. Uh, and that I think is the reason Madison has gotten the the run that he has. Um, obviously, you're not getting explosives, right? Um, but yeah, I mean, he he doesn't get like obviously against the Eagles is a little bit more difficult to not generate negatives. So his success rate dropped is something like 39 percent, 38 percent against the Eagles, which is not great. Um, but the Vikings success rate running when it's not Madison is actually significantly lower. You know, whether or not you want to include cousins in that, I don't know. Yeah. Like, like four Chandler's, or five yeah. attempts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> it's it's extremely hard for me to look at this situation and say, oh, this is because they don't have Dalvin Cook. I mean, the yards or contact that, yeah. are like negative. It's awful. Um I, some of that is, is controlled by the running back, but I agree that the blocking has been remarkably subpar. Um, and I haven't looked at like expected yards um, on next gen at all, but Bron, we talked about this a little bit in the postcast, this line, they were all drafted with the intention to be excellent run blockers within sort of that scheme. And now in this different scheme is not worked out the same way. Do you have, do you have any read on why it's gone the way it has? It's not like that different of a scheme. And I, th- I think it was Ron that said in the postcast, they're built to pass block more than run block. And I guess that's kind of how it's borne out because I'm pretty sure the pass blocking has been like pretty good when it's um, not about like, is there a free rusher? But if it's just like, did the guys win? Uh, I'm actually going to look that up right now and make it my nerdy step, but you got to give me a second. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> it's... Um, 12th in just of pass block rate, which is not your nerdy stat, so I didn't bogart you. All right, cool. Uh, <laughs> I'll be way more basic with mine. Uh, but they just aren't moving people. I mean, that's what it is. Like, they aren't getting the push that you need on, on certain kinds of, like, duo runs where you're really just kind of hoping that you get four yards and the running back just kind of crashes into the back of it, and that's that. Um, when that gets, you know, a half yard of push, and that's the play that's not there. And it's just kind of an issue. It's, it's the same issue on both sides of the trenches. We, we have guys that are, are too small and less powerful than the guys across from them. Well, you tap dance and get that nerdy stat. Arif, do you have a nerdy <laughs> stat on hand? Uh, yeah, I published it in my post game presser. It's about Owen two teams, right? So obviously Owen tombstone is, is the thing, mm. right? Only, only one in 10 teams, you know, uh, make the playoffs after going 0-2 after you account for like the 14th um, and 13th seeds in the playoffs. Okay, fine. Great. First of all, I don't know why that matters. If there's a 1 in 10 chance that you can make the playoffs, you play like you can make the playoffs, right? But second, um, if you get rid of all the teams that in that 0-2 stretch played extremely poorly, um, guess what? Your odds increase really dramatically of making the playoffs because the reason... Most 0-2 teams don't make the playoffs is because they went 0-2 because they are bad at football. And I don't think the Vikings have demonstrated that they're bad at football. They're losing close games. They're losing because of fluky events like turnovers. So I looked at 0-2 teams based off of their expected points per play on non-turnover plays. 
And I wanted to see first if that metric helped predict the likelihood of making the playoffs better than including turnovers. Spoiler, it did. Second, I, I looked at if you were positive in net EPA per play on non-turnover plays, how likely you were to make the playoffs. And then I looked also at how likely you were to make the playoffs if you were close to the Vikings net EPA. So you were in a 17-game in a kind of season in a 14-team playoff. Your odds of making the playoffs if you were positive in EPA. Let me take a look at this. Um, the playoff make rate is 24%, and in a 14 playoff bracket is 33%. But the Vikings aren't just positive in EPA. They're one of the best EPA non-turnover teams in the history of 0-2 football. Wow. Which is, I I know, if, print the banners, right? <laughs> Hang them up. Best right. Owen Toe team ever. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, third best. But. Third best. <laughs> but. The bronze um, medal. We take those. Yeah, we take those. Um, so the Cincinnati Bengals are the number one. Uh, last year, Cincinnati Bengals are number one uh, mm-hmm. since the 1970s um, in this statistic, which um, they made the playoffs, right? So count it. Number three or the, or, or sorry, the previous number three were the Philadelphia Eagles in 2003. They made the playoffs, right? Number two is this weird Miami Dolphins team that had like eight players hold out. Very weird situation. Their coach left halfway through this. I shouldn't say left. Was fired halfway through the season. We're not going to count them. So the Vikings are number three, number two among playoff teams. Um, And people with, uh, or teams with a plus 0.1 expected points per play on non-turnover plays make the playoffs in a 14-team group 55% of the time. 55! We're back. We're back, baby. We're so back. We're so back. The Vikings are back. <laughs> There's life. There's a pulse. Um, that's really good research, Arif. Thank you. Very nerdy. Uh, Luke Braun. I left post.substack.com. Great website. Uh, um, Luke Braun, what do you got? Uh, so I got distracted while looking up pressures. I found the page of uh, PFF's data for like, assigning the blame for pressures and i just decided oh what qb is responsible for the highest percentage of their pressures according to pff it's jordan love and then i went which qb has the most pressures that they are responsible for according to pff it's justin fields so that should be fun with all the blitzing yes um let's talk about justin fields and jordan love and the nfc north chokes on Sunday, NFC North goes 0-4. Vikings don't lose ground in the division. It was a great... I'm a red zone guy when the Vikings aren't playing. It was a great Scott Hansen witching hour. The 2-3 to three block yesterday, oh central time. Incredible. So unbelievable. I love the NFL. It was Titans-Chargers overtime. It was Lions-Seahawks overtime. It was Packers punting over and over again, giving the game back to the Falcons. And those were just the three best games. There was a few others that were good too. The Chiefs and Jaguars came down to the wire and the Jaguars had like three catches to potentially tie that game where the guy had like one foot in and one foot out, like insanely close to, uh, to that one, which would have given Luke Inman, by the way, his parlay win, which we'll get to. Um, Remember you forever, Luke. <laughs> I got the text, by the way. He said, rebooting my router. Okay. So, um, but what was the best thing you guys saw 
on on the Sunday of football and NFC North mediocrity? Man, there was so much. I I, I think I have to. Maybe this is a recency bias thing, but um, uh, Cole Strange catching the improvised lateral oh. for Mike Gesicki uh, <laughs> to try and convert that fourth down, which I know that he didn't technically yeah definitely short good correct call but not fun not no and and what this is where i don't think even the words correct call should be uttered i think it should not even be in the realm of circumstance that we consider that the correct call um when when you have an opportunity to encourage the funniest football plays you can possibly imagine why would you step away from that that's crazy. I think it was close. Like yeah. the thing, the thing about the rule of cool is that it has to be close enough that you can see it. And that was close enough that you could see it. And I just look, I know that there's billions on the line here, right? I know that like you, you gotta, you gotta enforce the rules fairly for football to mean anything. And to me, fair means plays like that. If you're not covering the tackle on a lateral, you're not playing football, cover Cole strange better next time. <laughs> who was on um, him whose guy was that they busted the coverage they busted the coverage <laughs> that was amazing and it just it just sucks that the that the refs the refs didn't see the vision uh, okay i've got a i've got a refereeing tip and maybe they do this and i'm just not like maybe they're trained to do this and i'm not aware referee when there is a square yeah i agree when there's a fresh set of downs so you're you're setting the ball on first and ten Mm-hmm. let's just make it mandatory that the ball is placed on the nearest exact, like if let's say up until the 20 yard line, you do this, place the ball on the nearest exact yard line so that it's, it's clear and obvious what oh. the line to gain is so that, okay, okay. If, if the, if the ball reaches the exact 29, it's a first down. And there's no, there's none of this in between the hash mark stuff. It would take all, like there would be no measurements, right? There would not be, there would be no need to rely on the ambiguity of the chain because the spot would be on the exact yard line. Okay, I just want to, I don't know how I feel about this. I, I kind of like it, but uh, separate question: Do they audit the chains? Do they like at the end of the year, like? take the like the SI scientific standard measurement of 10 yards and measure that against what the chains actually did. Or they're like, Hey, this chain got stretched out a little bit is, have we been screwing some offenses with these chains? Do they audit the chains? I'm also always, <laughs> I'm always perplexed by it. Like why the chains seem so heavy when they're stretching it out to the ball. It's like the ref has to no. like lug a 50 pound weight. Like, Ugh. Ugh. I think I mean, he does. Like, and they and they all it's like oh it's you, can, you, be can't, short. you can't make important pieces of equipment oh. like that out of plastic plastic bends there's always more chain it's like oh this is not going to be a first down oh, oh there's more <laughs> cha- there's more chain the yeah. more it's like chain. never taught the when they i when don't they want them to, to switch it. to lasers he's short is the reveal that the chain was folded and they just pull it and you're like ah oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's the best part the chains are great the chains are great i like the chains but i also like my refing adjustment wait like what what's the harm like literally what's the harm in what i just suggested is that you just start on an exact yard line if if the refs were accurate in spotting the ball i would say i probably wouldn't be in favor of it but they're like really subjective about it anyway they missed by that much often enough 
Yeah, so you might as well, right? But wouldn't it help the? Re- it's more for the review process because that's where it's messy. Yeah. It's like, oh, no, I know, okay. I know. It's, and the cost would be less the... precision after plays, which we don't have anyways. So sure, exactly. I'm saying that there's no cost to your proposal because, like Luke said, there's already no precision. So the benefit yeah. it's it's ba- it's pure profit, baby. We're, I love we're it. just cooking it... with a rule change that only has upside. And I'm not saying at least, be... out, at least inside the 20s. I agree. Once you get like, close, yeah, get close. Well, and I'm saying be precise on second down, third down, fourth down. But when it's a fresh set, then you are imp- yeah, then you're imp- imprecise. The chains. Yeah. Then you reset the chains. You've got an exact marker you're going for. It would help the players know exactly what what they're trying to get. Um, I think that, and and I don't know if this has ever been toyed around with or if they do it. And we just don't know about it. But I think it makes a lot of sense. Here, here's a here's a stupider proposal than yeah. your Sam. Make the yellow line official done there's got to be there's got to be a, a a chip or uh, i'd like ah, chips are dumb. the there's chip would never know when the knee was down that's the problem exactly yeah. the, right. the, the chips are as subjective as anything else they would take the subjectivity out of it because then it would become okay the 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 sensor tripped off that it went over and now we just have to kind of determine when that was yeah versus having to determine when it was and so, where so it was the, the act of syncing that with the replay would be a tremendous technical task it would be very difficult yeah. to figure I think out so would making time. the yellow line official because that thing is bunk a bunch of the time yeah but it's just like some guy like going the... eh, that looks i like did say it was worse than sam's proposal i just think it's funny it is funny uh, since we're talking rules i know Bron. i think you tweeted in support maybe it was you of keeping the the fumble through the end zone rule that people absolutely up not. that about. rule can die in hell oh you hate the rule okay yeah. someone else was saying that it's fine um, okay, what's the what's the suggestion then? What do you do? It goes, How do it goes you back punish to, that? To, to where you fumbled it. If you fumble, fumble through the end zone, that is a live ball, so you're risking losing your possession. But I think that for the defense to get the ball, the defense should have to get the ball. They I think should that's do the work. Intuitive. They're being rewarded. This is a participation trophy for defense. It is. Yes. <laughs> like this, it's, just, it's so crazy the way people talk about this as if there's only one side of the ball that has responsibility. Right. It's like, don't fumble. Well, pick it up then if you want the ball. Yeah, Go get yeah, the ball right, yeah. if you want the ball. Like I, I, like, I understand that, like, people, like, I know that there's a certain sect of people whose only issue with the rule is the consistency, right? Like, when you fumble out the sideline, that retains the offense, but except at the end zone, it's the defense. I, like, and I that's can not be sympathetic consistent. to that, too. If you want to say, get okay, that, all fumbles out not... of bounds go to the defense, it's like, that's chaos. But you know what? I would rather have it. Right, and I and I get that, right? And so I'm sympathetic to that, but that's not really my thing. My thing is that the defense needs to finish the job. Yeah. Uh, and, um, like, the one thing that I would change, actually, is when you fumble and the ball goes out of bounds, the ball goes back to the offense where they fumbled it and not where it goes out of bounds. Exactly. And, and that way, you know, there's no fumble forward. I know that one player objected to changing the rule because you could just fumble it forward, which you can't. You're turning into a live ball. That's crazy. Like, I know there's a holy roller rule for a reason, but for the most part, like, that's an insane idea. Like, you wouldn't yeah. do that. Um, so that's not really a huge concern, but you can solve that concern just by saying, hey, if it if it goes out of bounds or whatever, like, the only way you can advance it is by recovering it. If it goes out of bounds... Then it goes back to where you fumbled it, and that resolves this touchback thing too, right? And I, Je- I would even Jefferson seed... fumbles it at the one yard, the zero yard line. That's yeah. where the ball is. Exactly, and I would even seed if you fumble that ball, you can no longer advance that ball, and that to me feels like an adequate sure. punishment Fine. for for fumbling. Like, don't fumble the ball. Now you can't advance it. Play has to be over. All you can do is recover it. 
Um, and like that the defense is allowed to, to advance, exactly. but not the offense. Yeah. I so agree. now the defense oh. is in an advantageous position, but they still have to like do anything. Yeah. Do the work, finish the job. You should this, never get this, a ball. You didn't get a handle who like. cover a team that has not recovered a fumble all year. Like <laughs> you got to yeah. recover fumbles. Yeah. <laughs> Trust us. You got to recover fumbles. Yeah. If, like if anybody, you know, we'd say the opposite, but no, yeah. you got to recover fumbles. So that's that's my take. Like you said you, earlier, it's don't, a don't reward the defense for not finishing the job. Right. I don't think you're ever going to really convince ball carriers and receivers to not stretch for it either. Like that's, that's the other and, thing. The NFL puts that in their sizzle reel. You cannot be discouraging that with your rules. Let's NFL, you love awesome that. plays again. Like again, yeah. Our 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 understanding of the rules should include a framework of does this does this encourage awesome plays? And it and and the fumble rule does not encourage awesome plays we should we should definitely encourage plays that are cool as hell didn't a team win the seahawks won yesterday on a reach for the pylon situation a lot of teams do all the yeah. time i like belichick is the only coach i know that actually means it when he says don't reach for the pylon all the other coaches say it and they're just like yeah i don't know yeah you finished good job JJ. didn't james white yeah, get, win get, get, a get, get, super bowl with a play like that where he reached for the goal line i don't know if it was by the pylon that much but um the 28 to 3 game so kind of dove in yeah. yeah and then they had to review it and it kind of ruined it harshed the mellow of the moment uh parlays did not go well, though they did go a little better than week one. I think we went like we one all won seven. one of them, right? Yeah. We went one and seven combined on each leg in week one. This week we were 50 50. The problem is everybody was 50 50 mm -hmm. and nobody got two. Inman, who we bet for, went Jefferson over. We went Jefferson over on yardage, hit Jags plus three and a half, miss. We, He's down we to nine. Very closely hewed to the spirit of Inman bets, too. Yeah. The fact that he lost on the Jags bet felt like we did perfect. Yeah. And that's what happened to him all last year. He rode yep. the Jags, rode awesome. the Jags, rode the Jags, got off the bandwagon, and then they started winning. And then they started winning? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Braun, you had already lost on Hurts passing yards, but you did hit Raiders' bills over by a point. Good How many yards did there. he end up with? Not really wasn't close. Wasn't it under 200? Under 200 it was not... yards? For Jalen Hurts with, with two... Mm -hmm. 60 plus yards explosives. He was bad, man. He was That's like a crazy. Was... I'm trying to find it. Yeah, I've got it right oh, yeah. here. Oh, yeah. It was oh, 193. Oh, yeah, 193. Yeah. Yeah. That's, oh, man. And he did worse against New England. What's going on? 35 rushing yards was short of the 50 that Arif needed. Arif Eagles? did hit one Chiefs. score games. Fraud watch. Ooh. Yeah, I don't know if you can run the ball that well, though, if they figure out the passing game at all. If, I mean, it's a pretty big if, right? Yeah. <laughs> I had Bills minus eight and a half. I loved that bet. I nailed that bet. And then the Lions scored four times, and none of them were to Jameer Gibbs. So I lost two. Yeah, well, um, you're probably not going to have to worry about that going forward. He's the only running back left on the roster. Yeah. Montgomery went out True. in the middle of that game Correct. and even had more opportunities, but yeah. alas. Correct. Too much Josh Reynolds. It's, it's annoying. I was so correct on my process for the Jalen Hurts rushing over too. Vikings gave yeah. up 200 yards. Like, come on. They did. Man. The the part of it, a, a big part of it was yard. that 
a lot of times their backside linebacker would key on the quarterback, so it was always wrong for Hertz to keep it. Uh, not my problem, Hertz. It was kind of like I did a big Rashad White <laughs> and he prediction. kept it into it a couple times. Didn't go <laughs> did, great. He, did, he, he tried did, for you, man. He did try. He was, he was fighting for me. I shouldn't. I shouldn't yeah. be mad at him. He was doing yeah. it. Yeah. I did a big Rashad White prediction in Week One. I'm like, you know, this this guy only needs about ten carries, and he gets like forty. He gets the forty four yard over under, and then he had like the worst yards under expected in next gen history in that game. He was like thirty eight yards under expected on a 40-yard day. Just insane. By the way, um, we didn't really talk NFC North in that discussion. Lions and Packers both choked those games away. Uh, did we learn anything meaningful? Uh, Jordan, I'm I'm giving Jordan Love a little bit more benefit of the doubt. I still need to see more against a real defense, but there's uh, he's Pretty probably right? an average quarterback, and Jared Goff, I have just been dogging way too much this guy can ball i'm mad (laughs) (laughs) through his first pick in nine games something absurd like that lions defense came back to earth considerably though bron i uh gave up points in four of the last five possessions Seattle doesn't have offensive tackles how can they not rush the passer with the investments they've made isn't that interesting hmm (laughs) (laughs) i think i do think the lions are a problem though i think they're gonna they're going to win games. If they don't win the NFC North, it is a colossal choke. Like very funny. Everybody else is struggling so bad. (laughs) They could do like, they could go seven and one to start the season. And then they could do a reverse. Oh, there's a bunch of ways they could lions this. Yeah. I will say that the, uh, I'm not sold on the Packers because the bears are really bad. They beat the bears and they choked it away against yeah. the Falcons. And Jordan love had, if you're worried about like the next clutch quarterback coming along, <laughs> he had about the feeblest four and out that I've ever seen to end that game. That was rough in, in, I'm not going to say in his defense, but rather for some context, Aaron Rodgers was famously on clutch for like the first five, six years of his career. Um, he was playing extremely well, but like, People would throw around like the, oh, he's 0-37 against winning teams when trailing in the fourth quarter. Like they would throw that out there. And he just like, he just was. And then he had yeah. a, he hit a Hail Mary against the Lions and suddenly he was the clutchest quarter. And it persisted. That's the problem. Yeah. It just like, he just kept on like winning these late game scenarios that he just wouldn't in the, in the past. So we've got a, at least five or six years before Jordan Love can win a close game. Fair enough. He's not uh, allowed. He's not Other allowed. context, uh, he was missing his best running back, best receiver, best tackle. Uh, don't worry about it. Yeah. Can we take a moment to enjoy uh, that Justin Fields threw a pick six on a running back screen on yes. his own goal line? Yeah. Oh, and and like I and, looking and at it, like it was, was like I and I would call it again. Right? Yeah, <laughs> it was the best part. And Chase Claypool said had some weird stuff to say. Like they're starting to tear each other apart. It's week two. Week two. And this has like December of of twenty twenty one Vikings vibes. Like Sam, did you see this? Like before the game, like a bunch of news came out that Claypool had to apologize to the team for his lack of effort after a week of football. (laughs) Right? Like, like they Uh, had. Well, that's fair. They had. You see that blocking reel? Yeah. (laughs) They had like a meeting with him. He apologized to the rest of the team. He was like, I've been a bad locker room guy. And it's like, 
dog, it's like vibes are so bad around him. It's it's September, man. Holy like this is crap. interim coach stuff. Like, and then he did he did like play well, but still. <laughs> just like, and then yeah, Baldy did the breakdown last week of how hapless they were in the red zone. And then yesterday, did you, did you, see, picks, the, six did you see the touchdown he missed yesterday? Yeah, there's like a there's like a screenshot that goes around. It's um, basically the Mitch Trubisky. There's an open tight end in the end zone, but well, it's it's for Justin Fields in bright orange instead. And it's this guy who's just wide open. There's no one covering him, wide uh, open. And like it sucks because it's like sometimes that guy's not in the. It's the Jared Goff discussion, right? Sometimes mm-hmm. that guy's not in the progression. Yeah, but screenshot problem. Yeah, but like. There's no one. Uh, you got to. There's no one on him. It's not like someone busted a coverage and is like catching up. It's like they might as well play with 10 people on the field. There's no one on him. It's just like, ah, oh, bud. If you're spending three seconds in the pocket, you got to see that one. Sure. One and a half seconds. Fine. You missed that guy. That happens. Three seconds. What are you doing back there? I hope GTO Sullivan has another hour long jam session. In him. Yeah. If Bryce God, Young it, is remotely yeah. good. Bears fans might just all jump off the wagon. Like it might be. Dude, yeah. I, well, they already got the Jalen Carter problem. It's just like, yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. Yep. Just fumble after fumble after Dude, fumble. When, when, like when JT O'Sullivan doesn't like a guy, it's so funny because it starts off small. He's just like, I don't know about this route running technique. And then this particular technique, not for me. <laughs> this is not for me. It's literally just saying like, F you, bro. Yeah. And he's like, go to the sideline, get some Gatorade. <laughs> This is a long session. (laughs) (laughs) It's so good. It's so good. Oh, man. And they're like genuine, like some of the most informative football content that exists out there. I put it up against anybody. Yeah. But very good. Incredible. When he's just like, when he's had it, it's incredible. Programming note we do this show Mondays and Thursdays with this group. The video lives here on Locked On Sports Minnesota. We have moved the audio to Locked On Vikings, the Luke Braun feed. So that's where you can find the audio of the show in case you hadn't previously heard that. We also have post game reactions on the Locked On Vikings audio feed and right here on Locked On Sports Minnesota. For Arif, thank you, Arif. Subscribe to his wide left Substack, Luke Braun, Locked On Vikings host, and Luke Inman. Thank you for your contribution today, buddy. <laughs> At Luke underscore spin. We kept the box open for you the whole time. <laughs> his, com- his computer is like sparks are coming out of it, might be on fire. We I just can- picture like the, the, the old school Thursday? computer <laughs> tower. Like, you know, the towers we used to have, like that were just like when the computer was oh, old, yeah. they would just hum. They would just. Yeah, that thing's getting ready for takeoff. That's what's happening. <laughs> Man, he was going to have a hot take on that game, too. I could uh-huh. just feel it. He was yeah. winding up in that. Inman... Honestly, the computer was protecting us. Right. <laughs> From combusting. Yeah. <laughs> he melted uh, his computer. That's the Minnesota football party today. Ron Johnson show tomorrow on Lockdown Sports Minnesota. Until then, I'm Sam Ekstrom. He's Arif. He's Luke. Thanks for watching. You're on Lockdown Sports Minnesota.